Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast. I can't remember the last time one of these went out because Andy Bell like just sits, records, gets drunk, and then forgets to actually, you know, uh, yeah, just put them on. So we just sometimes sit here and talk to ourselves, um, which maybe is what we do anyway when they go out. But I've got Chief out in Donegal. I've got. Uh, are you in Donegal, Chief? Are you back in Belfast? Donegal coming up uh, on Saturday. Oh. Um, and I have Jay Reed out in Liverpool. Liverpool when I always yes. am. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Unless you're in Montenegro or something. Um, Not till the summer. Yeah, listen. Um, Jay, it was... You, you went into the game. It's it's a depleted side. There's not a lot to be able to, done, to, be able to do from the bench. If you're looking, you know... You're probably talking what, Diaz, Van Dyke, and McAllister are probably the only three that start that you would say are in our best eleven right now. Yeah, so, I think I think you even then Diaz it's horses for courses, personal preference, isn't it? Personally. Yeah, totally. Especially, and I think the fact that Jota got his form back, uh, and and while Salah was away and then injured, it, it it's sort of you know we've never Klopp's never had to entertain that that decision, I guess. Um, but yes, you have a point. And at one 0 down at half time, you're thinking, I, like I've seen this before, just teams that just people who haven't played together ever. There's a lack of cohesion. There's a lack of understanding. But to be honest, like I don't actually think we do a lot different in the second half than we do in the first half. We just start to stick our chances away. And I do think the intensity increased. But generally, I think we start the game with real intent and we finish with real intent. And over the 90 minutes, 4-1 probably flatters them. Oh, four one flatters them. Like if it been seven, I don't think like there would be many complaints because I mean Diaz alone could have had three or four. Harvey Elliott could have had two. Gakpo could have had two. Um, you know Van Dyke could have had two. Like that's just off the top of my head I can think of. I think the difference between the first half and the second half for me was the way we played. I it seemed like. From where I was standing on the ground, we were we were trying a lot of long balls, and we got in a couple of times early. But then it seemed as though we were trying to exploit that too many times and not really mixing it up enough. And then I've I've said before I've never never overly been a fan of this inverted right back thing because you know it it can work if you've got a midfielder who will then go out and hold the whiff, especially on the right hand side. You know if if Zabozlai was there, he would naturally at times drift wide and even like you know if you think back to the back in the last season Henderson at times would you know offer himself up to go wide and sort of you know spread the pitch a bit wider but when it can be you know Trent and then Gravenberg is not the most active in terms of seeking space at times and then last night it was Harvey Elliott who likes to come inside a lot you know we were sort of leaving ourselves really narrow um, and in the second half you know young Bradley just went to a more conventional right back role, which is what I like. You know, we that that's 
that's where he excelled the other week against Chelsea, and that's where you know in the second half it was just you know keep it simple, just play football, let's just go and let our wing backs or full backs you know use the line, use the width, and all of a sudden it opened it up. And I think you know as the game progressed, not only did the intensity improve on and off the pitch, you know, with the crowd and whatever, but I also thought that we we just got a better technical level than them. And, and the quality shown through in the end. And I think even if, if we hadn't have, you know, got so raucous in Anfield and, you know, sort of used the old cliche of sucking the ball into the net, I think in a way our technical ability would have seen us through the game and we would have got the results regardless. But what I do like is, you know, highly rotated team due to injuries and whatever, but we're still racking up goals. You know, that's our second 4-1 win on the spin. Obviously, if you think back to the weekend against Brentford and you know people are all getting excited about Arsenal beating you know the likes of West Ham and Burnley 5 and 6-0 and you know we're not exactly shaking goals ourselves I think Man City are the ones who you would be a bit sort of curious in the fact that they're, they're only just getting through games of one all against Chelsea one nil against Brentford they're both at home you're thinking that could actually potentially be where they might slip up which they did at the weekend in terms of dropping points where you know, we're putting teams to bed and we're putting teams to bed with a significantly weakened squad. Yeah, it's a good point, Jay. I'm going to read you out some names here, see if you can tell me what the connection is. Um, Mo Salah, Darwin Nunez, Diogo Jara, Luis Diaz, Cody Gakpo, Virgil van Dijk, Ryan Gravenberch, Harvey Elliott, Connor Bradley, Curtis Jones, Alexis McAllister and Dominic Sabozlai. There are 12 players. What have they all got in common? They've all scored. They've all scored in our last six games. It's 21 goals in our last six games with 12 different scorers. And yeah, we're missing a bit of firepower. But as has been, you know, widely publicised recently, we've all five of our forwards have all scored 10 plus goals. Um, first team to have five players to 10 plus goals in all competitions this season across Europe's top five leagues, blah, blah, blah. First team to 100 goals in Europe's top five leagues in all competition. And and Jay has a point. Yeah, maybe we are a little bit suspect. It's a, It's been a while since we've kept a clean sheet, but ultimately it it is risk reward. And um, what you see with this team is... You know, I think I said it in the group at two one. I was like, right, don't stop, keep going. And they, they, no, at two one, nothing changed. Absolutely nothing changed. We just keep going. And sometimes I don't really want to see that, you know. But we just keep doing the same things over and over and over again. And as far as the atmosphere is concerned, that's kind of why it generates that atmosphere, which in turn, you know, perpetuates the team on. So. You know, you can understand why our home form is so unbelievably solid. Yeah, I mean, I think we got in our own heads a little bit in the first half with the missing the, the early chances. And it sort of began to play on, on the mind and booze broke down and um, there were miscommunications on the, on the pitch. Um, and it just sort of gradually got worse and worse. Obviously... Luton get the somewhat fortuitous goal. I mean, Keller should do better. And, you know, as a fan, you're looking on going, 
we're up against it a bit here, but there was never a sense, for me anyway, a sense that we were actually going to lose the game and not come through, just that it was going to be more of a slog than, than you'd want it to be. Um, but it was sort of chalk and cheese the end of the first half to the beginning of the second half because players just came out with a with a renewed sense of confidence and and composure and it just began to, to ratchet it up. And when the when the first goal comes from the corner, it's been coming. Um, I think Jay's right. Bradley's role um, was central and key to those moments and to the big chances that are created sort of just before we, we, we get that goal. And yeah, I mean, it just, um, it's the intensity grew. That was noticeable. I watched the highlights again there just, you know, a couple of hours ago and, and you get, you know, Gakpo typifies it. He shrank in the first half and in the second half, he was a colossus. Um, so, you know, he was quicker. He had more belief. He was stronger. He, he had more conviction in his in his finishing, in his passing. He was uh, his movement was better, you know. Um, and Gravenberg played well and, and grew into the game. Harvey Elliott's one. I think you want to talk about a bit later who was trying things and stuff, but sort of the, he was snatching at a lot, and things weren't really sort of coming off for him. He's unlucky, I suppose, a couple of times. Um, particularly with with Diaz's second chance in 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 the early stages, because it, it could have been a, a very nice assist, and Diaz stuck that away. But um, he sort of battled through as well and, and ends the game strongly. So I mean, there there are a lot of sort of key performers in there, and and for such a, a cobbled together team almost to step up and and dispatch. Um, another Premier League side and what could have been a, you know, and what were sort of tricky circumstances where you, where the headlines, the headlines could have been written, you know, and um, for all the wrong reasons. So, yeah, it's very, very positive. And as Jay says, it's, it's another four goals. So we're building up that goal difference, certainly on, on City. And we've, I think, conceded one fewer as well, haven't played a game more. So we're all right there too. Yeah, Jay, I, I think the other thing that makes another that I meant to and forgot is that in those six games, <laughs> there's no players scored twice. It's Bournemouth since um, since a player scored twice for Liverpool. Um, so again, it, it just goes to show that there are goals everywhere in this side. And saying that, yeah, we're missing a few players, but a lot of players. And you were at the game and there's been a lot said about the atmosphere and how like feral it was. I've had a number of different, you know, messages and voice steps from people I know who were there, who were going, oh my God, like, I can't believe Luton. Luton at home was the game where everything kind of went off. But it did feel like a bit of a definitive moment in this season where it was actually... It doesn't matter how bad things are. We, as a group, will get through this one way or another. And, you know, the mentality aspect is always thrown at this side. But for me, that I don't think Klopp is, is overhyping the importance of, of that result. It could be a real turning point in this business end of the season. I think this is 
it's huge and Klopp's not stupid. He knows what he's talking about. That's why he's Liverpool manager. I think it's such a big result given so many, you know, factors that have to be taken into account. It's just the fact of where, where the game is in, in, in this point of the season. So we now know this game was brought forth from the weekend due to the, the Carabao Cup final. So regardless of what anyone else does next this weekend's fixtures, even though we're not playing the league, our game's done. We are still top of the league on Monday morning. Nobody can knock us off the top of the league. Last night, points dropped, could have left the door open. A points dropped in terms of the loss. We could have been getting up Monday morning and looking at being third in the league. And, you know, going into a cup final, you know, on the back of a home defeat to Luton, leaving the door ajar for other teams, you know, could have really rocked us. That's not including all the injuries, you know, and then you pull on your worst case scenario pattern and you lose the cup final. And all of a sudden, Monday morning, you're waking up, you've lost the cup final, you're fading the league, you're depleted with injuries. We could have completely fell off the rails. You know, I, I doubt we might not have because this seems, seems to have a drive and a mentality to to sort of stand up against all adversity and, and prove a point and fight back in whatever way they possibly can. And, you know, most of the times this season, it's been to a positive output. Um, but it's huge that we now go to Wembley. Yes, we've got, you know, injuries not on our side. But those lads all up front who came in last night, nominally might not be your starting from three if, if that was your personal preference on Diaz or Jota. But they all scored. The captain, you know, leading the defence, that's chopped and changed, you know, with a couple of young lads, one side of them, in Kwanzaa and Bradley, who've literally come out the academy and were playing League One football last season. And then Joe Gomez playing out of position on his other side. And then a lad behind him who's his reserve keeper. And he leads by... You know, example gets us back in the game, and then obviously we, you know, you get onto the midfield. That you know we're, we're quite thin on numbers, but we've got lads in there. You know, in, in Endo and McAllister who are literally willing to do anything they can to drive this team forward, win the ball back, and ensure that we get something positive out of the game. It, it's all a very, very good, harmonious feel, and the fact that you know there was so many kids as well on the bench, and a couple of them got a run out. I can understand why Klopp is sort of, you know, some mocking and referencing, you know, oh yeah, he was comparing it to Barcelona, but, you know, that was a potential banana skin last night and we got through it and the crowd obviously helped. Like, people often mock the myth of the Anfield atmosphere and yet there can be times, you know, when you're playing, I don't know, let's just say Burnley had only the week in a three o'clock kickoff. There was moments in the game where it can go into a little bit of a lull. Um, you were there yourself and you know, when you, it's sort of a chicken and egg thing. Like the team needs to do something to inspire the crowd and the crowd needs to get on, you know, the support of the team to inspire them. And it sort of goes hand in hand. But when it sort of, you know, works together with our backs against the wall, it can become such a feral atmosphere. And it did feel like that last night. And we were saying before we recorded, I thought we were due a penalty for a handball, but obviously that's my vantage point in the ground. And then you've obviously said from the TV replays, it would have been a very, very harsh penalty to be given against you. So, you know, it, it's just where you are in perception, but the whole top end and that end of the stadium force, we've been... We've been done here. Like, literally, we think that's a handball and a penalty. And at this point, it's still 1-0 to Luton. And it was like a siege mentality. And it, like, literally was like sucking the ball into the net. And 
once you get a team rattled at Anfield, and you know if it's one-one, you know inevitably it's going to be two-one not long after because there's just that sort of feeling where teams fall apart and we are going to need this power of Anfield as it's labelled, you know, to be harnessed possibly in a couple of European ties between now and the end of the season. You know, we've got City to come to Anfield in a couple of weeks. I think we've got Spurs at the end of the season. And there'll be other games as well that we, you know, as you said beforehand, no one would have had Luton down as that atmosphere last night. So it might be needed. You know, we've got Sheffield United to come to Anfield, I think, um, possibly Brighton and a couple of others. It might be needed where we just have to put on that performance off the field, in the stands, as well as on the field, to get us through these games because, you know, things are going to go against us, but we're not going to allow it to like deflate us and get us downbeat. We're going to stand up, give it a go, and hopefully we come out of it shining at the other end. Yeah, and, and see if people go, oh, yeah, sure, it's Luton. Grand. Luton have only lost, from after the opening two days of the two games of the season, Luton have only lost by more than one goal, I think it's three times up until today. And those three occasions were by two goals. This is their heaviest defeat of the season. And I think the fact that um, Edwards comes out afterwards uh, and literally says that's the best team we've played all season. That's the best team we've we've faced all year. And it is like a hotchpot cobbled together side missing literally minimum seven, arguably eight, probably like potentially nine starting eleven players can only go to give those lads the confidence that they need to potentially get us through this next while, while we wait for the guys, the big hitters, the Jones, the Sabozlais, the Salas, the Nunezes, the Allisons, um, the Trents to come back. And this might be just exactly what we need. This could be, you know, a, a, a springboard that just gets us what we need through our most difficult period of this campaign. Yep, just whenever you're ready, Chief. That's the old mute. Yeah, uh, the old mute. The old yeah. mute. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it, it's massively important. You know, you need to win that. Um, it's it's obviously we had it down as a home banker. Um, yes, they haven't um been hammered a lot this season, and of the three promoted teams, they're surprisingly, but clearly the most uh, suited to the Premier League and the Premier League experience at, at, at the time being. I, I hope to stay up, to be honest. Um, I don't know if they will, but, you know, be absolutely uh, criminal not to take three points in, particularly in the context we find ourselves. So to get the monkey off the back uh, was a massive relief. I think that's that plays into why the atmosphere ended up so feral and why it ended up such a such a big a big sort of 45 minutes was <clears throat> everybody knew the importance of it i think that's probably why it was so flat and kind of tetchy and and nervous in the first half because everyone knew the importance of it the crowd the players everybody and we knew we we were in a must win situation 
with in 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 sort of far from from ideal circumstances, given the injury crisis and and you know well the injury crisis. Um, so it's huge. You know the monkeys off the back. You've you've you don't have that that sort of thing hanging hanging around your neck where people have said you bottled it and look what look at what style you've done it. You know you've you've managed to lose against Luton at home. And you know there'll be people out there absolutely delighted with that. You know, um, so it's huge, and they can they can use it as a springboard. I mean, you would hope, no matter what, that that would be sort of the most depleted lineup that we'd have to put out in in a in a, any kind of important game for the rest of the season. So that means, as you know, at least um, theoretically, we're only going to get better than we were last night. So again, that bodes well. Um, obviously, the big game on the horizon is is City, and who will be back for that? We don't quite know. We're crossing our fingers on one or two, um, but whoever does take the field that day, whatever team does, you, you know, you've got the confidence that they're good enough, particularly at home, to to get the result that day, and, and that's also massive. So, you know, as Jay said. Nobody can knock us off the top now. We can play the Carabao Cup final with, you know, at least that sort of boxed and, um, you know, play with a bit more freedom and go out and win that. And then we've uh, a trophy in the one out of four in the in the bag and, um, you know, sitting pretty at the top of the league with uh, with really only, our, only ourselves that, that can sort of lose it then. Yeah, look, I think some some strange performances in that game as well, Jay. Um, I think Elliot, Elliot and Gakpo, you know, they both get their gold, um, which is great for them and great for us. First half, it's like, you know, is he trying to force it, particularly Elliot? Um does he take the right pass? There's a chance where he's he's in on gold and his first touch isn't good. Similarly to Diaz a couple of times. And he's infinitely frustrating. But if you if you look at the numbers, he, he creates seven chances. And like the ball he plays, one of Diaz's earlier chances where he bends it over towards the the far side of the of the edge of the box and, and Diaz is again his first touch should be more out over his uh, you know more out from underneath his feet. To get a shot away. And Gakpo again looks anonymous at times, but second half, I think he's super. And actually, after Nunez and Salah, the joint highest chance creation partnership in this side is sorry, Elliot and, and Gakpo. So like there is value in having those guys on the pitch. Yeah, and again, like it, it's the perception of what you see on telly and what you see in the ground. Like I, I could have pulled Elliot off the pitch by his hair at half time because he was just so frustrating, and you kind of get caught up in the emotion of the game, and you you just kind of see the final outcome, and you know it's overhead passes or shots going high and wide, and you know chances that are created, but you know end this end the. The sort of the possession of the ball out of possession or you know like you're losing momentum or something like that and it just all kind of looks frustrating and it 
what what kind of does frustrate me a little bit more with with Elias from a positional point of view is if he's going to start where Salah nominally is on the right, he tends to drift a hell of a lot more in field, and at times it can kind of look as though we we are heavily outnumbered on that side of the pitch, and it's just a consequence. I'm sure it's it's possibly tactical. You know, I, he's not just been allowed to to do whatever the hell he likes. I'm sure there's some remit in, in what he can and can't do on the pitch. But as I said earlier on, with, with, with second half, with Bradley sort of holding a more natural whiff, it sort of allowed Elliot to come inside because with Bradley going on as outside, he's naturally taking a defender with him. And then, you know, it, it's freeing up the possibility then, for, you know, one less player for Elliot to, to contemplate himself with in, in the inside. And with Gakpo, he suffers from, from from me with the same thing as Gravenberg. It, it could, without being stereotypical on the on these two Dutch lads, they seem to have a very relaxed attitude in, in games in terms of what the the effort levels look like, what they're putting in. But second half Here, especially... Yeah, does, does it sound like a centre-half, you know, perhaps? But he's, he's world-class and he can... I know, but it's but, but I, I, the point is, and I, I get your point and I take your point, is that it is it is that same sort of attitude that Van Dijk has as well. It, it is, but then when when it's needed, Van Dijk will put the afterburners on. And Van Dijk is that good at football. He can afford that luxury of being a bit more relaxed, where these two lads have still got a lot of the career to go to prove that. Um, and then you, you see second half, Gakpo picks it up and he, and he runs and he makes efforts and he closes people down. I don't think... Gavenberg did that much of it in that game, but he, he did in Brentford, he was nice. Um, but then, you know, the, he gets his rewards because, you know, Gapo, okay, the, the, the ball's fighting at him and, and I don't think he can really miss. Maybe Darwin Nunes is the bar from that far, also, who knows. Um, but he looked like a man possessed second half and you, again, it was just a more sort of fought out process into how we approach the second half of the game. And yeah, come back to the original point, you know, they're getting goals as well. So they're contributing. And if we are to go into the Cup final this weekend with what we had yesterday, at least these lads have got a bit of confidence under the belt and the goal under the belt in the last game. Yeah. And um, Chief, just to, to come on to somebody else who's, you know, you wouldn't have thought, given the first kind of 60 minutes, <laughs> that they had confidence under the belt. But <laughs> Luis Diaz, like it was the most it was like he thought well Darwin isn't here so I'm just going to harness my inner Darwin and just like be an absolute chaotic menace and get loads of chances and miss loads of them and eventually stick one away at the end and you know <laughs> there is frustration obviously with the fact that you know we could have had the game basically done and dusted if he had had a shooting boots on in the first 15, 20 minutes, could have been 2 3 nil, gone, fine, happy days. Let's all just sit back and have a nice time. But yeah. quietly, he's five goals in his last seven games and he's scoring like very Mane poacher goals, like back post, like smuggling it in somehow. The one against Chelsea, he, he kind of throws himself at. The one against Burnley, it's like I think it's an unbelievably underrated finish from a deflector cross where he manages to adjust his body and head it in. And 
that's kind of more of a Louis Diaz, Diaz goal we saw last night. But you imagine him like coming in off the left and beating three and, and sticking in the bottom corner from like 20 yards. But actually, what he's started to become now, he scored half of his half of his season's goals in the last seven games. He started to become, you know, game defining. And dare I say it, you know, potentially back back to that match winning talent that we saw when he first arrived. And if you remember as well, Chief, just before you go on, the League Cup final last year was that was his almost coming of age performance. He gets man of the match. He's unbelievable that day. So I just wonder is this just a lovely bit of kind of, you know, serendipity and everything turning full circle after what's what's happened to him and what he's had to go through? Yeah, well, he's had a, a bit of a mare, like, hasn't he? Um, to be fair, in terms of injuries and then what happened with his dad. So. I think next year we'll really see the numbers explode. I think you could see it beginning at the start of this season as well. There was a lot of talk, will he contribute numbers-wise? He's a great player, all the skill, all the pace, all the tricks, but will he Will he get the numbers? And I think at the beginning of the, beginning of the season, he, he scored a few. I remember him scoring a, I don't know who it was against, but he scored a, a, a great goal, like a volley, um, where he was, was sort of like a scissor volley, but, you know, front on. Um, and then he scored that that goal that never was against Spurs, and then um, obviously that um, that happens with his dad, and he's sort of out of action for a while. Um, takes him a while to get back in, and sort of get back up to you know focus properly on the football. And whenever he did, you know we're we're beginning to see that the the fruition of that now. He's scoring regularly and he's scoring goals often sort of from between the posts but he can score every type of goal and um you know he's good in the air he's um and he's decent off both feet uh, obviously stronger on the right but you know he's he's decent off both um and he's quick and he's clever and he likes to sort of pick it up deep and beat players and, and use his tricks and so on but if, you know we are getting him between the posts more often and when he's there he's he can stick it away so, I mean, it is something to be working on because, you know, whoever plays in the front three in the position, they all need to contribute goals and assists. That's sort of what it's all about. And, you know, Manny's numbers exploded after, you know, a couple of seasons and um, his composure in front of goal got much, much better while he was with us. And you can you can sort of see that hopefully now happening with, with Diaz. I mean, obviously, they, he's coming essentially and replace Manny plays in the same position and um, and he was bought sort of just what six months yeah. before Manny left um, and you can see that they obviously they're different players but there are similarities there and what I like in, in, in Diaz and I've, I've heard it said as well around so I'm, I'm by no means uh, on my own in this but he's he never stops. He's absolutely determined, just like Manny was. He wants to affect the game. He wants to score. He wants to win. He doesn't, he, his head doesn't go down. I mean, we said last night he had those two chances. I think it was the first five minutes. And we're, you know, all he has to do is just, first one is just keep his head and just, you know, control it and slot it. And it's a, you know, it's a goal. It's an easy finish. Just get the touch on it, put it where you want it, and it's a goal. Second one as well. You, you maybe your first touch maybe wasn't brilliant, but you've got your you've engineered a shooting chance. You're 12 yards out, pretty much central, 
just stick it in the net uh, and he misses. And if they both go in, you know, game's over. As it goes, we end up conceding and, um, you know, we're up against it for a little while. But what do you have? Ten shots in the game? And, and obviously he gets his goal at the end and, and that's massive for him. So, um, yeah, he's, 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 he's doing, he's, he's beginning to, to really look settled and start to contribute the numbers on a regular basis. And I think that if he can stay incident free, <laughs> uh, incident and injury free and, and just sort of keep the head down and keep going, I think his numbers could really blossom, you know, over the next sort of 18 months or so. Yeah, and Jay, you know, Chief makes that manic comparison. And I remember a game against Burnley where we're awful, but Mane is particularly bad. Like, he, you know, when Mane sometimes just threw those absolute stinkers in where nothing he did came off. And then the last minute, he just takes the ball and blams one into the top corner from the edge of the box. And it's that sheer, like, stubbornness and pig headedness that made him the player he was. And I think there's real similarities between that Sadio Mane and this Luis Diaz because he just, with every chance he missed, he seemed more determined to score the next. Yeah, I think it was it was a cheap line when when Mane left. Um, was last season, obviously, it was like Liverpool missed Sadio Mane. But it was often forgotten that actually we missed Luis Diaz because we brought Diaz in the January, hadn't we? And Manny ended up going into a more number nine role. And Diaz was playing that left wing and we, we played really well that year before. And then obviously Manny went. But then Diaz got injured early on, didn't he? In last season against Arsenal away, away from home. And it was like, well, not only have you lost a lad who was playing number nine the year before, you've also lost a lad who was brought in and was doing really well replacing him on the left wing. And it was like a double double whammy sort of situation. Um, but yeah, like, as, as Chief said, like, you know, we, he's gone through a lot. Um, I know, as we were saying pre-pod now, like, you know, his dad is, is pretty close by. Like, he's he's had a hell of a lot of the games now. Um, you'd imagine he doesn't really go too far away from Liverpool, or certainly doesn't venture too far back into the depths of Colombia. Um, given what the poor fella's been through, um, and and we we need players to step up. You know, like it's always been a trait of this Klopp sort of era that we've had. Like, okay, we we, we might have had Mo Salah, who, who was a freak in terms of his goal scoring record, but we've always had like Firmino and Mane in that first iteration of the team, who you know chipped in with fifteen to twenty goals across the season. And then you you got a couple more from you know a few other players around the pitch and and this team is pretty much the same you know Mo Salah's still racking up goals but then as you mentioned earlier on we've now got the five forwards on our books have all got double figures this season and you know the, there's other players in the team like I think it's the likes of Zabozlai and Jones are probably on about five each um, Van Dijk I think's on four so. You know, we're getting goals from in and around the team. And as you mentioned before, was it 21 different goal scorers we've had in the last six games or something like that? Or No, that's wild, mate. That's absolutely wild. 21 goal scorers in six 20, games. No. 21 goal scorers. 21 goals in six games in 12. The 12 of the players. Yeah. Getting the and, the and in those six games, no one has scored more than two. Than a game. Yeah. 
So I, I'm, I'm just mixing your stats up because I'm, I'm half distracted by watching Roma versus Feyenoord for better see. Um, by the time this is released, if it's released, then we'll know how they got on. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it's good that we've got these options. And you know, w- would you be surprised that you know a couple of these young lads who've come through the ranks in the last what two or three months? Um, you know, Bradley's already got himself on the score. She's against Chelsea, I think, before the end of the season. I imagine he's going to rattle at least one or two more in the way he's going and having shots on target. But would you be surprised if one of the other young kids got the name on the score sheet? Because, to be wholeheartedly honest, I wouldn't because they're, they're getting chances and they're good enough and they're proving it. So, you know, all, all things positive, necessarily the situation in the injury front isn't good, but it's it's creating chances and opportunities for players in the squad and players in the academy. And right, right now, they're all stepping up and they're all giving us something that at the start of the season, we probably didn't think we'd even have I mentioned any of these lads. Yeah, it's it's totally fair. And maybe one of the lads we didn't think we were going to mention at the start of the season, Chief, was Joe Gomez. And I think the three three fullbacks that played last night, Bradley, Robertson and Gomez, they're all superb. Gomez ends up having to, you know, play two different positions. He's played three different positions this season already. Um, never mind what he's asked to do in those positions, whether it's a conventional right-back, conventional left-back, inverting into that midfield role. And what, like, what a bonus he has been given what we've got from him for the last few years. Because I'm not going to lie to you, my heart sank when Maddox was out. Not least because I absolutely love him but I just thought oh my god we're going to be so limited there Qantas obviously come in and help to fill that void but Joe Gomez has for somebody so unreliable in the past like fitness wise has literally become Mr. Reliable Mr. Mr. Thumb in the dike guy and again last night he's absolutely superb there's one point there's one point someone hoofs a ball up in the second class, the right-hand side of the pitch, and he takes it down like Salah, and I was like, oh, I wonder who that was. It was fucking Joe Gomez. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, what your point on reliability is, 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 is the big one. He's been there when we've needed him, and I suppose you could sort of say he owes us that one, given, given his, his sort of injury record in the past and, and so on, but um, he's been vital because he's been a proper utility player across the back, um, mostly in, in the full-back positions, mind you. But, he, I mean, he has played at centre-back as well this season. So, that's what you need when you're suffering injuries, uh, left, right and centre. Uh, you need you need those lads who can play a few positions and aren't necessarily first choice in any of them, but you need them to, to step up and, and play like a... Like, like somebody who is first choice, and he's made himself that now. So uh, you know, certainly there's there's a conversation certainly on horses for courses. If it's a more physical team, um, there's uh, there's always a shout for for playing Joe Gomez either. At, well, not really a right back now with, with Bradley there, but certainly at times if you want to rest Robertson or if you're you're playing against a Brentford or whatever, you might you might be tempted to to start with Joe there. So he's been yeah, I, see, I think what's sorry, see, I think what's interesting is 
I think we can safely assume that Robertson is fit to play 90 minutes or certainly start and play 60 or 70. And I think Gomez was, was preferred last night. Yeah, that, yeah. And I think that's the point. Bradley and Gomez were preferred last night, which I think is a wild, wild thing to say, given how Andy Robertson has performed over the last five, six years. And not even mentioning his cameo performance, which was absolutely superb as well. So we're stocked in that area after yeah, fullback and, being an issue for so long. Costas is back as well. So Costas hasn't got a sniff either. Yeah, Costas is back and he's he had played himself in the in the form as well before the injury. So um, you know, we're, we're we're certainly good on, on the left, but now Bradley's there on the right and then Trent coming back. That's gonna be the, the big question. Um, as we said before. I don't know if I was on air when I said it. That's gonna be the the big one. When Trent is is back, surely now he's a midfielder because surely you're not moving Connor Bradley. Um, you know I think he's he's been an absolute revelation for me, um, and I think he's, as you sort of mentioned earlier, he's, you know, there's a shout from being the best fullback in the league at the moment on current form, and that's mad. <laughs> it really is. So um, that's gonna gonna be a question there, but it's but you know it's a good problem to have. Um, that that talent there, um, particularly in you know going forward, but he also seems to be um, adept enough, uh, you know, going the other way too. So um, so you've got you you know you've got cover there, you've got options there, uh, particularly when when people are fit. Um, so yeah, Joe Gomez has been great. Connor Bradley's been been a revelation. Andy Robbo looks like he's coming back to really good form. He looks rested. Obviously, he's been out injured. So, you know, he, he played almost relentlessly for how many seasons? Um, maybe a little bit more broken up last season with injuries, but certainly for three seasons there, he was he was probably our the player with the most minutes, um, most number of appearances. Certain certainly up close. Um, so he looks like he's coming back, and obviously, yes, Joe Gomez was preferred, but also there'll be an eye on 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 the cup final at the weekend. I I would imagine Robbo starts. Um, I imagine we start Robbo and Bradley there, um, and hopefully, you know, Kanate will be back in. Jarrell Kwanzaa has a has a banger of a game again. Doesn't look out of place at all. A bit of a Rolls Royce, you know. Probably, obviously, still one or two things positionally, maybe to. To pick up, you know, but for such a young centre back, he's class as well. So cool, so composed. Um, so the future's future's definitely bright in that area. And and Jay mentioned earlier some other kids there. Obviously, young McConnell, Bobby Clark comes on. Um, your man, what what is it? Um, Jaden Dans. He also uh, Tyrone Dans, I think, or no, maybe Jaden, but not even your man, like your boy, literally. Yeah. And but it also he looked looked full of confidence, you know, and uh, and and really keen to get involved. So so all that looks looks absolutely great. And if we can start to get our sort of walking wounded back um, in trips and drabs now, and, and really build up and just get through this next sort of period until till the international break and well until the city game, give that everything and and. If we're if we do what we need to do there, you know, we'll be really set up to, to sprint for the line because you'd imagine most barring one or two, Jada and Jones perhaps, most of them will be back 
after after that break. Yeah, and that break, you know, it's a it's a lot of matches away, Jay. And I think what has I think what's kind of gone under the radar for me certainly is it's, the goalkeeper. Is the goalkeeper? I actually think the goalkeeper's been great. Now, look, I think he doesn't cover himself in glory for for Luton's goal last night, but largely. It, he feels like a player who's benefited from having consecutive games in a row. And he looks like the player that we thought we had kind of, you know, League Cup run, an FA Cup run two years ago, which is hugely, hugely relieving given, you know, the the, the possible situation with Alisson being out for maybe you know, as many as six weeks. I think anyway... We we overlooked the fact that um, Allison was sick, wasn't he, with flu or man flu, whatever the other week. So, you know, th- these things can happen, and and he pops in for the game, Kelleher, and then obviously Allison goes down injured, and he had to slide in at the weekend against Brentford, and obviously filled in for the Luton game. But Kelleher would have played the cup final anyway because Klopp's already said that like it's his competition. He gets the Carabao Cup. He got us there last time. He won us it. Um, so he would have played. The weekend arguably might have played as well against Southampton next week in the FA Cup. So like he would have been in line for a couple of games, and you know the fact that he's had to come in due to Allison's injury, you know, will only help for, for the weekend's game against Chelsea because you know we'll be ever a little bit much sharper. You know, like I thought last night. Yeah, because Jay, if you remember, I think the last time he gets the last time he gets to go, isn't it four three against Fulham? And he's probably at fault for two of the goals, and you're thinking, "Oh Christ!" Yeah, he just like it, it, it sounds really cheap to use, but it is the cliche. If like they just need rhythm, and you know, if if this lad is now in rhythm going into the cup final, what like, we we can't really ask for for too much more. It's not ideal that our number one keeper isn't there, but you know, there's not many other number twos around the league who can come in and be as solid as this guy. And I think last night it was he probably gambled on the ball going across the six yard box and the ball went near post and you know it, it's you know the goalkeeper's union would say you should always defend your near post but the way the player was shaping it probably was more likely to go across the goal and he still got a touch to it you know it was just you know we were slow to react and the man comes in on the back post and heads it in but you know amongst all else he he's very confident with his feet I'd argue that he's probably better with his feet than Allison. um He's and, kicking actually in the first. He, he literally created two chances in the first ten minutes from his long. He kicking. does, and and I, and but I think Allison worries me when the ball comes to him and he's he's reluctant to kick on his left, where Keller has not, and he's quite he's quite happy to, you know, sometimes put you the, under the sweat a little bit too much in terms of allowing players to get too close to him. But he he knows what he's doing. He's under control, and you know, when you, when you think of the cast in front of him, it, it's constantly rotating, you know, like, when think from what, what we had the weekend to what we had last night, like, you know, the, there's changes all along the back line there, apart from Van Dijk, and you know, I'm sure having that man in front of you breathes confidence down you, and you know, you, you're already feeling a lot better than what you would, but going into the weekend, you know, your reference to team is probably going to be Robertson and Bradley at full-back, and then it'll be Canate back in next to Van Dijk and you know at least he he's he's assured in in what's going to be in front of him is is a solid enough platform for us to build off and you know we are going to have to rely on them the likelihood is we we are not going to see Allison if reportedly believed until 
the end of March, which I think is possibly the Brighton game. So, you know, that this lad's going to have to chip in and give us a performance or two, but he's proved it before. So, uh, yeah, I'm quite happy with what, with what we've got there. And I'd rather him in the net than Buddy Adrian or anyone else anyway, put it that way. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Adrian! Um, Chief, look, we've, we've talked about, you know, what that game could mean. And Jay mentioned earlier on, we can go into a free weekend in the Premier League, not playing. Our direct rivals are. They can both win their games. And we'll still be top of the league. And we can come out with, you know, a trophy at the end of it. This feels... I feel, do you remember there used to be that curse about the League Cup? And if you win the League Cup, then your, your season fell off a cliff afterwards, which it tended to do. I feel like this is that Mourinho thing where he's like, yeah, get the first trophy under your belt and give them a taste of it. And I feel like this is what this team needs because it is so new. You know, there's there's so many players here that haven't actually experienced success or winning trophies with Liverpool. And this, for me, is so vital. I would almost go as far as to say is if we win on Sunday, we'll win the league. Yeah, I mean, of, of course, we can we can tell ourselves that. Like, and we can believe it. It's not necessarily the case, like, but I know what you're getting at. I mean, it's the difference, what you're talking about there, the League Cup. It's the difference between a team winning it who are maybe going for top four or are, you know, sort of mid-table or whatever, and, and they win it, and then the league, that everything does sort of go off a cliff and you slide a bit, or a team that's that's looking to to put a marker down and, and sort of let everyone know that they're around and they want to they wanna win more than just that, and that's just the first one. And obviously, we're very much in in the second category there. So uh, you're right; it is it is hugely important um, because nobody wants to be a beaten finalist. Nobody. It's no crack. It'll be no crack. You know, if I meet you at the Common Market and we, you know, we get on it and everything's going great, and then fucking Chelsea win with a ninety third minute header from a corner, it's going to be shit, like, isn't it? <laughs> That, I mean, that's the reality and that's it. And it's going to be shit for the players because they've gotten all the way there and, and done that and, and look what's happened. And it's going to dent the confidence and it's obviously going to dent the the sense or the air of, of invincibility or destiny. So all those things, no matter how intangible and, and you know how much you want to believe in them, they are factors and you want to keep them going. You want to keep the illusion going for as long as possible. Because it just, if you can stretch it out and stretch it out, it might just be true. So we need to win. It's it's huge um, for all the reasons outlined right there. Yeah, Jay, it, it is huge. And, you know, I think clubs have not favourites. For the league, is that? No, for, for the final. All oh, right. I think the bookies would probably disagree. <laughs> yeah, I think the bookies probably would. No, I, I can understand with the injuries and, and the squad availability. Maybe Chelsea found some form recently, um, but 
you know, I think we go in there on a high. Let's say Salah, Nunez are training. What's your 11? Right, ju- just on the fact that the bookies, the bookies have got Chelsea at 9-4 to four and Liverpool 11-10, to 10, so like, <laughs> we're heavy favourites in terms of the bookies' eyes. Um, what's my 11? I would... I think we, we, you know, obviously we know the keeper. Uh, the back line we've already referenced probably... I think it will be that back line. Um, I feel really harsh on Joe Gomez, but I like the natural fullback, so Robertson Bradley um attacking natural with um and Kanate and Virgil obviously in the middle. I think the midfield three will be the only midfield three we can probably put out in terms of Gravenberg, Endo and McAllister. And then it's Diaz plus two if them other two are fit, but I would say Diaz Gapo Salah um to start with. And then you've got Nunes as an option off the bench um, if you want to sort of literally go for a plan B, a, a complete different option. Um, and I do feel as though, you know, Wembley's a, a big pitch and, you know, it, it does lend itself to a ball in behind. And we've we seen, you know, Chelsea at times can get a little bit ragged and they do change the back line quite a lot. So, you know, we could get to a point of 65, 70 minutes into the game where we're needing something. And who better to bring off the bench than Darwin Nunes? Um, I'd feel more comfortable bringing Nunes off the bench than starting Nunes and then needing a change and bringing Gapo on. I just think you get more of a, a variety in, in that sort of substitution. So that's who I'd go with. Yeah, I mean, I'd be, be very close on that. I mean, I'd, I'd agree with it all. Uh, except for maybe the the question mark over whether you it depends on the fitness it depends on on if they are both back to you know essentially full fitness and and are both sort of green lit to be able to to do the guts of a full game then I'm starting them both probably um, obviously you're starting Diaz because he's he's the one that's fit although he's obviously played did he play 90 last night pretty pretty close anyway he, he played most of the game um midweek so might be feeling feeling it a little but um obviously he'll go to the well again and yeah it's just one of them you, you want Nunes and Salah on the pitch at the same time because they they dovetail really well and obviously, it's 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 a huge threat if you got those three up front. It's pace, 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 and threats everywhere, and movement everywhere, and and just quality everywhere. So, do you do you just do you go for it and and you know back yourself to go to two goals clear, and uh, and then you can sort of make your changes and bring on Gakpo, or do you sort of give yourself that in reserve just in case it's not going according to plan and you need a bit more. So that's the the only question, and I suppose it it revolves a little bit also around how fit they actually are. I mean, we're sitting here crossing our fingers. It might be the case that neither of them is actually fit to start. Um, let me pose this to you both. I'd actually be shocked if Joe Gomez doesn't start. I I don't think I would be. Uh, not after again him being the the basically 
the utility man last night, you know, the one that switches over, he's not coming off to be rested. I think Robbo's been rested now in the cup final, and Bradley, as we said earlier, was taken off with an eye to doing that. So I don't see. I get what you mean, Chief. So here's my argument, right? Um, Chelsea, apart from the fact that we fucking smashed them um, at Anfield, their results against the likes of Arsenal and City and even ourselves and Stamford Bridge have been good this season. Um, I think at Anfield is the only game out of those that they've lost. So they know how to make it difficult and they know how to break and score. We saw that at the Etihad. So I just wonder, does Klopp want the likes of a Connor Bradley or an Andy Robertson and a third like auxiliary centre back there just to add a little bit of protection against Chelsea's obvious game plan, which will be to sit in, soak it up, and try and exploit us on the break. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I can't see it personally, just because of the way the way it went, and and because of everything you lose. As good as Joe Gomez is, you lose loads not having a Roberts Robertson, not having um, a Bradley, because you lose the ability. For the player to overlap, go beyond, get cutbacks, all of that just goes. You um, say that, Chief, but you say, Chief, you say that, but we talked about how many goals he scored in the last six games, and all of those are with Joe Gomez playing in some sort of fullback position. Yeah, that 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 is true, but I think when when everyone's fit and firing, I don't think Gomez. I mean, we were saying earlier, it's horses for courses, but I don't think Chelsea are particularly physical. I don't think they're particularly big in forward positions either. Um, Jackson's tall, but he's fucking awful. Like he's rubbish, and um, and in Cuc- in Cuckoo's in and out. Um, Cole Palmer's not 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 big, not good in the air particularly. So I mean, I don't think I don't think you you've got that issue there. So you, you might be right, but just with Gomez doing the ninety last night and switching positions, Robertson being held back, I just don't don't really see it. You can make a case for it, and you have, but uh, I, I'd be surprised. I, I think it comes down to when does Klopp want to win the game? Yeah. So does he want does he want to does he want to go out there like we did at Anfield and you know put a marker down and basically bury them, bury them nice and nice and early, get a couple of goals on the on the score sheet, you know, and and just see this game out and just go and get it over and done with, and then you go with Bradley and Robertson, and then you know you you've got your change for Gomez, whatever you want, and whether you want him right back, whether you want him left back. You know, you, you've got the option there. Or I just does wonder, he, does, Jay, he, does I just, he want to bet in and give it 60 and then go for it? And then if that's the case, I would imagine Gomez starts right back just for the yeah. experience. I just wonder, Jay, that he looks at the likes of the Chelsea game, or the, the City game and they get the first goal and it's extremely difficult for City to get back into the game. They score with like, what, eighty third minute or something, but I just wonder, does he think to himself, I back our forwards against their forwards, I back our midfield against their midfield. Let's not take any additional chances that we have to. Let's make sure we get the first goal, and the way to do that is just to give that little bit of extra defensive mindset to the personnel that he picks there. Possibly yeah. so, but I, I, to get the first goal by being slightly more 
yeah, offensive in your fullbacks. Or, or positive. And I, I also was uh, you reference Man City. They play one way. Like they will just carry on playing and playing and playing and playing, and eventually, you know, it, it, it does tend to work for them. Now. Like they all eventually find a gap, and they'll get a goal, or you know, they'll get a defender fall over like they did against Brentford the other night. But with us, I think we've got multiple ways of breaking teams down. So it's I, true. I, it's hard. I'd, it's hard I'd, I'd fancy our chances. It's hard to counter press whenever they're camped in the ages of eighteen yard box with a goal lead. Yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't rate Chelsea. I know they've put a couple of results together, but we battered them. Absolutely. That'll be in their minds. That really will be in their minds. And I yeah, would, we we battered them with a different eleven that we're going to be able to put out. Yeah, with one or two differences, but not that many. It's not one or two differences. It will. Be, it will be one or two differences, and I don't think we should be crying it in beforehand. I mean, I think you look at our injuries, it's all the more reason to get it done early because we don't want to go into extra time. We don't want to become an attritional. We don't have the reinforcements like with no troops. You know, we're, we're spent. So, you know, if you can, get it won. Quick, quick the- glance back on that Chelsea game. You know, Alisson starts and goal, Bradley, Canate, Van Dijk, Gomez, so Bosley, McAllister, Jones, Diaz, Jossen, Nunes. So... Let's just let's just assume that Salah is fit. You're potentially missing five from that lineup. But if you yeah, think, yeah. If you but say, let's just say Salah is fit, and Nunes and, is fit, and then Robertson comes in at left back, and then you know you, you're putting in the winter one in midfield also. Okay, so you maybe able to slightly weaken in midfield in the fact that Zabozlai and Jones is better than Endo and Gravenberg to slot in there. But Diaz, Jota, Nunes. If you go with Diaz, a another. And Salah, you know, you still got decent firepower there. Yeah, I think man for man, anyway, we're we're better. We know much more about ourselves. We're determined. They have no resilience, particularly either. I mean, if if we do go two goals up in in the first twenty five minutes, I don't see a, a a huge comeback. I would imagine we we could probably see that out and maybe win it three one. Yeah, I saw I saw a statistic that. Um, Chelsea has scored 42 goals in the Premier League this year and Liverpool have scored 41 second half goals in the Premier League this year. Yeah. So So on that note, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for joining me, lads. Until next time, up the score loads more goals than Chelsea Reds.